0: Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's Future of Insurance podcast series. And I'm thrilled today to have our own Adam Elster, our CEO at Majesco, joining me on the podcast. Welcome, Adam.
1: Thanks, Denise. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I, I could make it within your lineup. you got some amazing guests we've had.
0: It has been an amazing set of guests, and it's you know both customers and our partners, and it makes for a really interesting conversation on what we're doing together in the industry.
1: It's fantastic. I was just telling Denise I wasn't a big podcast person pre-COVID, and now I, I think I'm obsessed, so it's fun to be on the other end of one of these. It sure is.
0: I always like to start off the podcast with having my guests give a little bit of background on themselves. And for you, Adam, you got an amazing background, but talk about why you joined Majesco.
1: So for myself, I've been in the software industry my entire career in enterprise software in all kinds of areas. The company before Majesco was a company called CA Technologies, and we had software in all kinds of areas from mainframe to security to DevOps and API and system management and agile, you name it, we sold enterprise software and all kinds and all new kinds as they developed in SaaS and other places. So uh, been in the industry my whole career. Honestly, someone called me after I left CA and said, how about Majesco? And I said, who's Majesco? They said, they're in the insurance industry. And I said, I don't know anything about insurance. And I hung up the phone. I didn't really know who Majesco was. I hadn't heard of any of our competitors, Duck Creek Guidewire. Honestly, I had never heard of any of them. And what was interesting, a few months later, the opportunity came back and I asked people, they honestly, it was either I heard about Majesco and they're great, or I've never heard about it. And it was one or the other. And what really drove me to Majesco was the insurance industry. What I came to learn was what an amazing opportunity in one of the world's largest verticals that hadn't gone through real. Impactful digital transformation with software. So I looked at it and said, wow, this is more white space than I have seen in my 15, 20 years. And I looked at it as an incredible opportunity to take what people had built for years and just bring it to the next level. So really kind of stumbled into it, honestly. What everyone tells me, Denise, of course, is once you get in, you never get out. So I didn't, I thought I would do a few years. I'm in the middle of my fourth year. So You guys are all going to be able to say, I told you so. Every day, I think you say, I told you so. So it's proving to be true.
0: It truly is. I think once you get in, uh, you see about all the possibilities. That's one of the things that we talk a lot about within Majesco and our leadership team, and you and I have talked a lot about, is how the industries continue to shift and evolve. And with that, so are the leaders in the industry. What really separates successful leaders is their focus on strategy, both operational and strategic, but also execution. And that's been one of the things that you really brought to the conversation joining Majesco. And the other aspect, it's more than just being good, it's being great. Share your insights on why that's so important to stay ahead and how you've really done that throughout
1: your career and here at Majesco. It's a great comment, Denise. I think one of the things that a lot of organizations stumble with is how do you manage the day to day operations of running the business you have? And how do you balance that with investing in the future? What ends up happening is you find organizations that get very obsessed with innovation and investing in the future and kind of start deinvesting in the day-to-day to run the business. And that's the real magic, I think, in any organization is how do you figure out the right blend of what you invest in to improve what you do day in and day out? Because you have to run your business, you have to support your customers in the manners which they want. But if you don't start looking around the corner, and thinking about the trends you need to invest into for next year and the year after, when you get there, you will be left behind. And, you know, there's a lot of good phrases that describe and a lot of great books. You know, one of my favorites is, you know, what got you here won't get you there, right? What made you great for the last 10 years, you're going to have to learn and evolve or you're not going to be great and sustainable long-term. And I think that's what a lot of people stumble with, is how do you invest in short-term and long-term and blend the two? And I can tell you, as you know, Denise, I will spend as much energy in a day thinking about the trends that are going to be in the market in the next two years as I will be looking at what we did yesterday and what we're going to do tactically, operationally, because they're equally important to how we run the business.
0: Couldn't agree more. And you know, one of the things that I think has been unique is you've actually supported insurance in your previous roles, but as a horizontal technology provider and with Majesco, We really are a vertical getting to the core of the business. It's really the business and systems and the business operations. What surprised you the most, you know, when you got into it? And then where do you see the opportunities to the industry in Majesco?
1: It's a great question because as to be said, many of my former customers are our customers today, but it's really interesting who holds the power right? So I did not sell application software. It was all the infrastructure and operational software that went to support the back end of all the largest insurance companies in the world. And they were definitely some of my biggest customers, right? Financial services was my number one vertical. And obviously insurance was a big part of that. I will tell you the first thing I know now is as much as I was charging for a lot of legacy software, I think I could have charged twice that because now I know how hard it is to get them (laughs) off of the legacy software. So I could have made way more money back in the day had I known that. But what was most interesting to me was the cultural aspect, because the leaders I dealt with were the technology leaders. It was the CIOs, the CTOs, the folks who ran security or infrastructure. And we dealt with them all the time. I'm not sure once, and I mean not once, Did I spend time or meet the business leader who were in running the insurance business that this technology supported because we didn't play the role? So what's amazing to me is how powerful in these organizations the business leaders are when you get into the application world. And that's something I don't think I understood, respected. And to me, that's been just an amazing eye-opening experience as I'm learning how the power shift works and the cultural dynamics within the insurance industry.
0: So with that power shift, it really presents a lot of opportunities for our technology and the industry, but specifically for Majesco, what are those opportunities with that power shift to the business?
1: Well, to me, it's really interesting because it's not technology for technology's sake, right? It's not about a widget or one screen's this color and the other screen's that color. It is really understanding the drivers in the insurance industry and why investments in technology could improve their investments and their overall business outcome. Whether that means the ability to quickly launch new products in the market more dynamically, whether that's being able to shift products to meet market demands, or really improve the returns on the business by really using data and analytics in a meaningful way. So honestly, when we look at the insurance industry, one of the things, and I think, why do people stay in this a long time? There is so much technology opportunity to improve the way they run the business that I think this journey we're all on, we're pretty early in when I look at the journey. When I look at our customers and how they run their businesses, I think we're early into the journey. I by no means think this market is saturated or evolved. I think there's a lot of room left in this journey.
0: Yeah. And I think with the pace of change, new technology coming in and the growth of use of that technology and the maturity of that technology and just the change in customers and risks and the demand for different types of products, I think we're just going to be in a constant state of change that really requires a constant state of reevaluating what you need to do from both a business and a technology standpoint.
1: No, I think you're absolutely right and I think there's definitely all kinds of dynamics happening in the insurance industry. Look, many of our customers are dealing with exactly what I said earlier. How do you balance the business you run today with yep. the business you know you'll need tomorrow and the next day and how do you blend those priorities which You know, that's the tricky part of any strategy and execution.
0: One of the things that we often talk about, and we've been talking about it for a long time within the industry, is how we're on this transformation journey. A lot of companies started that transformation. PNC started it well ahead of the life and annuity and health segment of the industry. And for us at Majesco, we're also on a transformation journey. And we often talk about legacy debt, Adam. You know that a lot of the insurers have legacy debt. When you first came in, we had legacy debt and we had legacy operations. So we are kind of walking the talk of what we talk to our customers about that you need to transform your business. So kind of talk about our transformation journey and how that journey is going to be beneficial for the industry and our customers and the impact that that has for them.
1: It was really interesting because, you know, some of my early days, I definitely forget ruffling a few feathers with customers. I definitely ruffled more than a few feathers internally as well. When people said things to me like, we always do it that way, and that's how it works in this industry, you don't understand. It was about us. It was about Majesco. It was, yeah, why do we run an end of life on-premise version of SAP, which you built Excel spreadsheets on top of to run our financials? that's now how modern companies work. And it was trying to not measure ourselves against ourselves, but measure ourselves against what is best practice in the industry to run a modern technology company. And it meant, as Denise said, we put in all new cloud systems. We got rid of our data centers, moved things to COLO locations, and started using data and systems to make decisions. But We had to put in all those systems. It made us change process. A lot of people who had been with Majesco a long time doing things the old way had a hard time adjusting. Many of them aren't with us any longer as an organization. But we needed to make those hard choices because it was thinking about what does the company need not to be a $100 million services business, but how to be a half a billion dollar cloud SaaS software company takes a different way to operate. And that's the same thing our own customers are going through. How do you take the claims person who's been doing claims a certain way in a certain system for 25 years and have them understand if you can do it in a modern, new, flexible way, you can be twice as productive, increase customer satisfaction, and you won't break anything. And it's balancing that culturally, which is the hard part about any technology journey. And I spent a lot of time with Denise asking people cultural questions because that has the biggest impact on how organizations can make these terms.
0: And it really is leadership from the top and the culture. If the leadership at the top doesn't buy into it and doesn't lead and lean into it, it doesn't happen. And that's what is some of the challenge for the industry sometimes.
1: It is. And it it leads me to a couple of funny stories, right? A couple, last couple of weeks, I was on a call with a tier one insurance company And they were having all kinds of questions about their technology journey and the investments and the speed to market. And Manish our chief product officer, was on the phone with me. And we barely spoke. The call lasted an hour. And (laughs) Manish and I were IMing with one another because they were having an internal debate. And it was the business versus IT trying to make sure they were aligned on priorities and focus. They weren't at the beginning of the call, I can tell you. What one side told us was different than the other side. And we were kind of spectators, spectators because they needed to really make sure they were aligned on their goals. And honestly, it was about what was the priorities for 2023 so we could align to those. And there were two sets of views. And it was that they needed some work culturally to make sure they had the alignment. I know I see it at Majesco within our silos, but it was a really interesting example of the IT organization and business needing to align. They did. We can then align to it and be successful, but, you know, it's some cultural change that everyone has to go through.
0: That's something that culture really does. It can eat strategy, the old saying, yeah. and it really does impact organizationally as you take a digital journey. And as you take that transformation journey, talk a little bit about, you know, from a cultural standpoint, the things that we need to start having insurance companies kind of think about culturally, not just about the people but culturally about how technology needs to be thought of and how it needs to be thought of from an implementation standpoint, because we've had a lot of conversations about that. Customization versus configuration and out of the box. We really need to kind of pull back from this massive customization because that really slows companies down to be able to do things and adapt to change and the market changes and the trends in the marketplace. Talk about that because it's a big conversation.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to quote one of our partners who I think you had on a panel, which was a Seth Racklin who, uh, from Capgemini. And the line he said, and I'm giving him full writing credit for it, was the last thing we want to do is implement the next generation of legacy systems. And what he meant yep. by it, and it's so, it was such a great line, and I give him writing credit, right, was that if we implement new modern systems, whether on-premise or in the cloud, and you end up customizing them again, and writing code on top of them, you just have built another legacy system that's difficult to upgrade, expensive to run, very difficult to be flexible to new needs. And you can build a very legacy cloud system, which is point. And again, why this is so important is when we think of people's digital journey, the only thing I know is that technology will change, And the other other thing I know is it'll change faster than I ever expected. So if you're not a learner, you're not willing to change and adapt, you're going to be left behind. It might take a few more years, but you got to be willing to change and adapt. And if you build hard-coded systems that are custom configured, they just don't adapt, right? It's You want to have your kids play with Lego and you want to glue every piece together You're going to be buying a lot of Lego for a very long time. And unfortunately, (laughs) that's what the industry did. So culturally, it's a way of thinking. And when you couple that with businesses who have been incredibly successful, culturally, there's a resistance to change because it's working. My customers don't leave me. I have tons of cash. They're happy. Why would I change the way I do things? Because it's not necessarily going to evolve with the times, and they're going to leave you behind. Probably not tomorrow, maybe not the day after, maybe not in five years. But will the next generation be there for you? And will you have a sustainable company? That's hard to do. It's hard to think about the implications of what we do today from five years from now, right? I think about it in my personal life. Am I doing getting to the age where things I do today? <laughs> are going to affect me in the next five, 10 years. I got to start thinking about that more than I did when I was in my 20s and 30s. And I think that makes me need to start thinking like that. And I
0: think that that also has a big impact in how you think about where investment goes. Insurance companies are thinking about investment, but obviously as a technology company, we think about the R&D and where our investment is going into our products. To your point, we've got to do the things that are really important for today but also that are gonna be important to help them make sure that they're gonna be able to respond to the trends and the things that are out there the next year, two years, three years, but also to keep them really agile. Talk about kind of that philosophy of from a cultural standpoint into uh, what we're doing at Adam.
1: It's definitely the hardest thing, right? Old will always kill new. If you just go to do the math on an investment and a focus, whether it's a customer or sales or revenue, Old will always kill new. Why? Because that's where you have customers. That's where you have revenue. That's where you have near-term needs of someone emailing you, calling you. You need to do X, Y, and Z. And if you were just going to do math and say, all right, I'm going to judge these projects by new sales bookings, services, revenue, profitability, references, you name any of those key metrics, the old will win every single time. But again, where are you going to be in the future? And then it's a matter of, okay, well, then you're just going to have to keep feeding off the old, increase that, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And to me, that's the hardest part. Look, there's art to it. Strategy is not an exact science. There's a bit of the art to, I believe this. And look, you need to have OKRs in place, objectives and key indicators that help you understand, okay, are we making progress? And while you might say, I need, 10 of these things for a legacy, one or two could be the goal where you start seeing the breadcrumbs that it's something our customers want, the industry want, is generating opportunity. And that's the tricky part because some of it you won't see in a year or two. Some you'll see longer than that. And how do you balance those things? My favorite example is when I was first looking at Majesco, I got really into our digital first products because I knew way more about DevOps and APIs and microservices than I did about policy billing and claims. So go to <laughs> what you do. But I was like, wow, this is cool. At the same time, going back three or four years, it was way ahead of its time. So I know it was sort of a Manish special project, you know, and some of these things are born like that, but it has more relevance today in the market even than it did a few years ago. But I know the impact revenue and some other things are just starting to bear fruit, but you gotta balance those things. And I think of the same thing when I look at what we're doing with data and AI and analytics and machine learning, it is early days. But if we don't invest now, when someone calls me and says, we need this, we won't be ready. It's a tough balancing act. Internally, it's tough as you know. A lot of debates with people, You got to do this because big customer A has to have it or we're in big trouble. And, you know, you got to see, Okay, I know they need that today, but if I don't do this other thing, the phone call I'm getting in two years sounds like this. We got to do both. And that's that's the balancing act that makes all of this turn into something real.
0: So you're in your fourth year. We've gone through obviously a transformation at Majesco. We've grown tremendously. We've had a lot of change with Tomo Bravo acquiring us and M&A that we've done. And it's been a rapid pace of activity and change. What are you most proud of on the journey so far? What do you think is the excitement and what lies ahead?
1: I'm most proud of the team at Majesco. I really am. I mean, there are definitely people my first few years who are like, you have got to slow down. <laughs> you are going to leave people behind. And, you know, the things we're trying to do are at a pace that's a bit unreasonable. And I heard it. I'm not sure I'm that good a listener to begin with. So I had to work on that skill myself. Honestly, I could see it inside of people. I could see they wanted it. And there was a good amount of the same impatience of how quick we could get there. But everyone knew it. When we did our first strategy sessions. Denise, I I was so shocked at how well aligned we were. I was (laughs) waiting for strategy sessions I've done where it is a bloodbath of people disagreeing with the priorities and what we need to do and focus on. Unfortunately, it energized me even more to go faster because I'm like, oh, my God, everyone agrees to these North Stars let's go. Then quick into let's move and execute. And the team has been amazingly resilient. And I think everyone should be proud of how we came together as a team, got through those issues, dealt with the day-to-day while focusing. But when I look at the strategy from three and a half years ago, I wouldn't change a word of it. And it's worked. It aligned to the market. Our execution got better and better. And that's because we have a great team. Now, did we have to add to our team? Of course, any company that's going to double in size in two years, again, it's the what got you here isn't going to get you there. You needed to bring in more talent and people who knew other things to get us to the next level. But blending all the people who got us here, who've been executing with new talent, new acquisitions, I'm just proud of the team. I mean, we're a software company. Our number one asset is our people and our team. That's what I'm most proud about. The other stuff's great. All the results are great. But this all comes down to teamwork and us all working together and staying aligned and playing our parts effectively. I think that's the thing I'm most proud about when I think about Majesco.
0: I remember I was on the end of one of those impatient um, ideas. Only one? With a new brand and a new website in like four months and our convergence conference all at the same time, but we did it.
1: Well, that's, what's always amazing, right? Like, and that's a struggle. I think a lot of established companies have is that pace of change and judging yourself against yourself, right? So the challenge is, okay, I know I can do this and I've done that. So, and then changing that to say, no, I'm going to set the bar a little higher. I'm going to set this against the industry. And to your point, we redid the entire launch set, rebranded everything. We did it in 90 days. Everyone thought I was insane. I'm well aware. Right. Like we're going to switch our listing to the NASDAQ. We're going to do this, like an old list. We did it though. I mean, we rolled out NetSuite out of the box without changes. The finance team wanted to kill me. Wow. We are so much better as a company because of it. I think we were a bit range bound. We were range bound in what we thought we could do and what we saw in the industry. And I'll tell you, Denise and I talk about this all the time. My favorite part of that is that our competitors all over the place said, what are they doing? And we didn't just set a new pace for Majesco. We set a new pace for the industry and we get copied all the time, which I consider the greatest form of flattery because people did not think this pace was possible in this vertical. And that was just them being as range bound as we were.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Adam, this has been great for our part one of the conversation.
1: I'm looking forward to part two. Thanks Denise. Now this has been great to be able to be on the other end of one of these podcasts and share you with the market, how we think about the business, how we got here. And hopefully you can tell from Denise's energy and my energy. Yeah. We're really not slow down kind of people. So you can expect this pace is just the new pace. And probably we're looking to pick it up even a little more.
0: Well, Denise, the Energizer Bunny, that was my nickname for a long period of time. Got even faster with you, Adam.
1: <laughs> All good. It's because I knew you could handle you and the team. You know what? Could handle the pace. and exactly. yeah.
0: Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Denise. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance podcast. Subscribe to our market leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.